So you're right in the middle of a pit. We call it the enabler pit. And you don't know how to get out. And you're seeing that it's not only affecting your peace, but the peace of those around you. Today, we're going to talk about it. Well, welcome to the Celebrate Recovery official podcast. We're so glad that you're with us today. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry based on the Beatitudes where Jesus helps us to face our hurts, hangups, and habits, and even our broken relationships. And and we acknowledge that your struggle is real, that you matter to God, and He has the power to help you with any and all hurts, habits, and hangups that you're facing. And so I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs, alcohol, and perfectionism. And my name is Rodney, and I'm the Global Field Director with Celebrate Recovery. And I'm so, so excited about today's topic, enabling. It's one of those topics that can get us stuck and get us in a pit. And I've got some good friends here. I actually have Andy, who's uh, not only the uh, director of landing director of Celebrate Recovery, but he's also a local ministry leader and leads an adult ministry, Celebrate Recovery. And then his uh, sweet bride, Julia, is with us. And uh, what an incredible power team uh, you guys are. But they, they agreed to jump on with me. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves, just uh, your recovery introduction, and we'll jump into a great conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on here, Rodney. Uh, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, struggle with anxiety and depression and sexual addiction and my name is Andy. Hi hey, Andy. Andy. Hey. Uh, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ and I celebrate recovery over a sexual addiction and I still struggle with lust, control issues and codependency and my name is Julia. Hey, hey guys. Julia. Thanks so much for being here. So this is one of those topics and we've talked about a lot throughout the years. Um, Andy and Julia have been in recovery. How many years have you guys been in Gosh. Celebrate Recovery now? Oh, man. Uh, January, it's going to be eight years. Eight years. Wow. Yeah. So lots of experience there. You probably have run into this. I know I have in my 17 years of people getting trapped in this enabler uh, trap. So I want to just jump in. You know, there's some some key elements that we can kind of be indicators that we might be enabling. And some somebody listening might be in the middle of I'm, I'm, I'm an enabler or maybe I am, I'm not sure. And so hopefully this will provide some nuggets of truth, but what are some of those things that would be indicators that would say, Ooh, maybe I'm slipping over from helping and serving and loving toward maybe I'm hurting them by enabling. Andy, what are some of those things, man? Yeah. You know, one of the things that kind of pops out uh, to me when we talk about this idea of enabling is this idea of protection. And and I think I might classify it as, as an overprotection, mm. this, this way that we uh, see people that we, we genuinely love and we genuinely care about uh, kind of heading towards the cliff because of their own actions, their own behaviors, the, and, and this desire for us to protect them from the natural consequences uh, of poor choices that we have over the course of our life and, and, and kind of wanting to sweep in and try and put a pillow under our loved mm. ones every time that they fall. And, and I know for me in, in the times that I've seen that it comes from a good place. I mean, who wouldn't want yeah. to love their loved one in that way? Of course. But when we protect from the consequences of our actions, we don't actually learn anything from those actions. And it's, uh, can be an inhibitor to change. 
Yeah. So I love that, that picture. It's a great word picture. The, the pillow, you know, we want to pull the the pillow and put it to give them a soft landing. And we're not talking about, we want to make people hurt and we want to, you know, yeah. and, and kind of make them feel pain. We want them to feel the weight of where they are. Right. Cause you know, we say that often that it's not, um, you know, it's not when we, uh, how do we say that? We say the fear it's the, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, oftentimes we say that folks won't change until their pain exceeds their fear of change. Yeah. The fear of change. So, yeah. So until we can come to that place of feeling that weight, um, and that's hard for when, when you're the person on the other side, Mm -hmm. it's hard, isn't it, Julia, to, to watch somebody hurting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are those, what are some things that would be uh, indicators that would may cause us to want to swoop in and put a pillow? Uh, What have you seen in your experience that some of those traits that you'll hear and see people doing where we might want to rescue them? Yeah. Just different loved ones in our lives. And, um, I, I, I mean, like Andy said, it's, I feel like it does start from a place of wanting to love them well. Um, but, I think that it is kind of, it keeps keeping people from experiencing the consequences to their actions. Um, and that ends up, I feel like we do it out of, um, not wanting to hurt them, not wanting them to hurt, but then ultimately we are hurting them in the long run. And a lot of times we're hurting ourselves too, because it's, um, we are, doing these actions to the detriment of ourselves as well. Um, mm. And that's, it, it, it does just become in some instances dangerous as well, um, depending on the situation. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I do see that a lot. And yeah, and you know, and you said that it, it reminded me one of those common traits can be where we're lying about that person's behavior. Right. And it kind of mm-hmm. speaks a little bit to, how much am I bringing my own stuff into this relationship? And if you're struggling and you're connected with me as in a relationship um, and that is brought into the light, what will that say about me? Mm. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, lying about their behavior to kind of cover for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's something that we've, we've seen a lot and, you know, one of the areas, and it can be a lot of different issues that happen within our life, but one common area that we do see in this is, uh, spouses there, that their spouse is struggling with some sort of a chemical addiction is, mm. is a pretty common one that we see. And that idea of, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and call into work for you today. Cause you're mm. too hungover to come in and I'll, I'll say you, I, He's got the flu again this week, yeah. or why isn't he showing up to serve at church? Oh, he was—he's just so tired. But in reality, he's—we don't know where they're at. They're off on a on another another trip, another bender, and yeah, uh, we're trying to cover for them. Yeah, there's there is a thread of just as you were talking, it feels like there is a thread of codependency in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Explain codependency in a, in a short, succinct way. How would you guys define codependency? It's kind of a tricky. What is that? I'm not sure what that is. People say I struggle with it and I'm not sure what that means. What what would be a way that you would define that? Yeah, and there's there's a lot of different synonyms for it. I think people pleasing is a yeah. is a good synonym for it. But it's that idea that my identity is based off of what 
other people think of me or what I think other people will think of me and how they view me. And therefore, my identity is not rooted in Christ. It's rooted in how other people view me. Mm. And so there's a lot of self-protection that comes into that. There's a lot of people pleasing that comes into that. Uh, and yeah, it, 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 it can cause us to have controlling behaviors in other people's lives. There's a lot of things that comes yeah. out of that. So one of those, those traits of, or characteristics of an enabler is we, we will put, uh, the addict or the person, it doesn't, it's not just with addictions when we enable, but we will put their needs above our own, mm, right? Yeah. And that's kind of a gross feeling. And where have you guys seen that? That play? you have some examples. I don't anything that that jumps to mind that that would uh, fall into that category. Yeah, that's such a good question. I um, there's a friend of mine that I know, and her daughter has been struggling um, for years just with addiction and. It's, it was so hard for me to sit across from her and have her just talk about, I mean, her whole world is her daughter, mm. her whole world. Um, and in some instances in a healthy way and a lot of instances in an unhealthy way. And so she had become so engrossed in just the enablingness that, um, she in some ways was losing her identity and her daughter and she was just miserable all the time because all of her, her well being was based on what her daughter was doing and her mm -hmm. daughter wasn't making good decisions uh, constantly. And so she was so miserable constantly. And so it was just heartbreaking to see how we can lose our identity in someone we love so much with such good intentions, but we don't yeah. realize we have to take care of ourselves and our own health as well. Um, and that's the healthy, th that's what the Lord wants for us. And so it was just, it's heartbreaking to see that happening yeah. um, just across the table. It's confusing because isn't the Bible say that we're supposed to love others? Yeah. Right? It mm -hmm. gets a little bit fuzzy. Yeah. But when we start loving others to the detriment of ourselves, it reminds me of, you know, being on an airline and, and you know, heading on a plane <laughs> ride somewhere. And one of the things that they always say, they explain the, the air mask dropping down and mm. uh, they, they always say, hey, make sure that you put your mask on first yeah. before you help others. And it, it's because if I don't have that oxygen flowing to me, mm -hmm. how can I ever hope to help you find the oxygen that you need? Mm -hmm. And so often, you know, I, I see folks, oftentimes it's, it's family members trying to do everything that they can to, to help connect their family member that is hurting or that is addicted or that is struggling with resources when maybe the best thing that could happen is if that person that is struggling learns to start taking some of those steps as well. And so when we start doing for others, what they, how they need to be taking ownership mm. themselves, it can lead into enabling too. Yeah. The brain is kind of tricky in denial, right? The brain has the ability to lie to itself and yeah. believe it. Mm. Yeah. Right. This can, you know, and you see that a lot of times if someone brings bad news, hey, so and so died. Our first reaction a lot of times is no way yeah. that mm -hmm. can't be. And I think that's kind of that denial that kicks in. And it's not intentional because we love and care for this person so much. We don't want to see them in this predicament. And if this is true, 
And if you're listening and you're in that situation, I just want to honor and validate the good reasons why you may be in that place of denial. It's like you care so much about this person that you just don't want to believe it, right? And so, but it's good to be aware of that, you know, acknowledge that, validate the good reasons why it's there. But then what do I do with this new information, right, that we don't want to stay there? And and, and we'll turn the corner here in a little bit on that, but... But money is kind of one of those factors, isn't it? Uh, where do we see money come into play in the enabling act? Where have you guys seen that play out? Yeah, I have seen that. Um, gosh, it's so hard because we all want to feel like we're making a difference and that we're helping. Um, and some ways money is a really easy thing to do. Um, and a lot of times the addicts really do quote unquote, need money. Like they really, a lot of times don't have the resources that they need. And so wanting to help. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, um, with the same mother and her daughter, she would, um, constantly give her money and she would just immediately go out and get drugs with it. Um, or even if she did give her, um, would buy her things, she can easily just sell it and then go get money for drugs. And so it's, it's so hard to, to find that balance. But I think the more that we can just love others kind of in a different way or, or buy them food and have them eat or just whatever it is. Let me feed you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just, it's just that falling into, um, yeah, again, that wanting to help and wanting uh, our hearts are in the right place, but just knowing that money is a very, very, very easy way to, again, have that to harm them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's just another way to harm them. Well, in one way that I've also seen it too, is I'm, I'm going to give this person money, uh, not that they've done anything to earn the money, not that they've done anything to, uh, ask and, and, and ask for help in, in a legitimate way. But I just have a hunch that they probably need some money and I, I'm just going to, I know that they're always in money issues. And so every time I see him, I give him uh 20 or 40 or, or yeah. $50 and yeah. that, that doesn't always help. Yeah. Another one bailing out, right? If, yeah. you know, if a lot of times if you see someone go to jail, uh, mm. too often I see, you know, we bailed them out again, and this is the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time. And that's a tough thing because nobody likes to see a loved one in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, but when does that become hurting when we bail them out? Yeah. And I think for me, is is this an instance or is this a pattern? Uh, seeing yeah. working, working with teenagers for a long time and their parents, it's like, ah. We're all broken. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, it, it's different between, man, Billy got a speeding ticket and yeah. uh, we went ahead and paid it versus, man, Billy got his fifth speeding ticket in the past six months. And I just yeah. don't know what to do. I'm, I'm losing money on all of this. It's yeah. like, well, hey, maybe Billy needs to pay for his own speeding <laughs> yeah. ticket. Yeah, or I'll pay it. But in order to pay for this, you're going to have to do these things yeah. to earn back. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to kind of work with it. Yeah, I love that. You know, what's what's happened to this point mm-hmm. and let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, trying to create a space of, I love you. I love you too much to hurt you this way. Right. Yeah. And that's so hard because 
within their brokenness, and I remember myself and my own brokenness, I can be pretty convincing. And sometimes, especially in addictions, um, man, we can be very manipulative, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Become good liars. And that's not a knock. It's just a, it's kind of one of the, the things that comes with that. So we have to be mindful of that. How could you do that to your own son, your own daughter? Don't you love me? Mm. And it's like, ugh, it feels like a dagger in my heart. And it's good just to hear an outside voice saying, hey, you do love your child. And that's why you're creating some some distance. So, yeah, so so bailing them out, giving them money, uh what about just the the resentment that we build? I know this is a common theme. Uh, the resentment we get when we're trying to parent them, and this is more the case when they're out of the home, right? And we're trying to parent them, but they've been living on their own, living their own life, and now we're trying to parent them, and it kind of falls flat. Mm. What kind of stuff does that create in us when we try to do that over and over and over again, and they just don't receive it? Do you mean parenting in a healthy way or unhealthy? Kind uh, of kind like of over- unhealthy. Yeah. 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 Gosh, it's so hard. Yeah. I think that there's, um, and I am not a parent of an adult kid. I'll just preface that. But I have heard so many times people say that parenting adults is so, so hard. Um, but I think as soon as they're 18, as soon as they let leave or, or whenever they are considered an adult in your, in your world, <laughs> where that is, that is, they are an adult and they can make their own decisions. And so remembering that, that they can, um, they have to face the effects of their decisions. Um, and at that point it switches from, it does the reality switch from a parenting moment to, um, in some ways, just like a mentor and just giving them a loving them and having to, um, to, to let them fall on their own um, and not always trying to fix, but but trying to um, connect before we correct, yeah. making sure that they feel heard first. Hard stuff, but so important. Good stuff. Well, we're going to take a, a quick break right here, and uh, we're going to uh, turn the corner. We're going to talk a, just a little bit more about some of those traits that can kind of creep into our life, and then we'll turn the corner to... What, what is helping and loving well in a healthy Christian way when we have a, a loved one that is struggling? And so uh, stick with us, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Are you in your church looking for practical tools to help you start and run a Celebrate Recovery in your church? Consider joining us for a Celebrate Recovery training conference online or in person. Visit our website at CelebrateRecovery.com for dates and times. And don't forget to connect with your Celebrate Recovery state representative. They are here to serve you as you walk through this process. Find a rep near you by visiting CelebrateRecovery.com forward slash reps. We're having a great conversation around enabling and um, how we can get stuck in that. We've been talking about some of those things that can creep in and um, final thoughts kind of on the enabler traits, anything that jumps out at you just in your experience, what you've seen leading a ministry, Andy, and, and, and any final thoughts before we kind of turn the corner on some of the healthy ways to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of them 
that uh, I know I've seen a couple times is this idea of uh, I'm going to make threats mm. or I'm going to establish a boundary. Hey, I love you. I care about you. But if you do this again, I'm, I'm going to go live with my parents or uh, you can't be in the house for, for a couple months until you get sober. But then the behavior happens again mm. and we make an allowance for it. It's like, okay, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah, that happened again, but next time. And then it always becomes a next time. But mm. every time it happens, we just put it off yeah, and we I'm never so enforce that. that up. Yeah. Cause we, we mean it when we say it. But that's such a good reminder that when we're dealing with them, uh, with the the person, the addict, whatever, is make sure whatever we say will be a consequence that we would be willing to carry through with it. Because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes in our anger, disgust in the moment, we say, well, that's it. If you do it one more time, this is going to happen. And then it happens and it we don't see results that can actually be more harmful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Julie, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, and we might've already touched on this a little bit, but just um, the idea of doing things for addicts that they are able to do for themselves mm. um, is definitely a big sign of enabling. If they are able mm-hmm. to, if they're physically able to go out and get a job and have it, yeah. why are we giving them money? Or if they, um, if they have money and they can pay their bills, but they choose not to, why are we stepping in and doing yeah. that? Um, just different stuff like that too. Yeah. I, I was talking to a dad recently and he went through that and the, the son was not following what needed to be happening to live in his home as an adult. Mm-hmm. And he finally, he set that boundary and said, Hey, if this happens again, you know, you're probably going to have to move out and, and get your own place. And it happened again. And so instead of just saying you're out and kicking with the curb, he actually walked alongside him to help him find a home. And, and it ended up being very effective, you know, helping him. But, but he held true to his boundary. That was so important. So, so we could, we could talk a lot more about some (laughs) traits. There's all kinds of things, but what about, what does it look like to do that in a loving, well, uh, loving them well, helping them well, what are some things that you guys have learned that, that are a healthy way to do this. Yeah. You know, we talked about that denial aspect earlier. And I think one of the, the, the first spot that we have to uh, get to whenever we're, we find that maybe we're in a spot that maybe we've been enabling somebody. And, and by the way, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, dang it, that's me, I've been doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Like you're human. We, exactly. Mm-hmm. But the first place that we've got to start is admitting my loved one has a problem Mm. and I have no control over it. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's so important to, to remember just in, in, in light of this whole conversation too, is that the Lord loves your loved one way more than you do Mm. and how much space the Lord lets us have to fall. And how much the Lord does not enable us. He lets us fall time and time again. He's letting the person you love fall. He's given them that freedom. And so we need to do that too and learn these healthy things. But one of the things that I um, heard when I was first getting into recovery was just the idea of putting boundaries up. Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole idea was that you don't put boundaries around other people. You put boundaries around yourself. Yeah. Um, And that's something that's so, so important uh, to do whenever you're dealing with someone in addiction, because Mm -hmm. 
you will get dragged in <laughs> to enabling um, yeah. so easily. And so putting up, going, kind of taking some distance for a minute and praying, trying to think through what are these, what are going to be these healthy boundaries that mm. I'm going to set up around me and stick to. Yeah. And chances are the person is not going to respond well to those. Yeah. Most time they don't, but be, expect emotions are going to be present. Yeah. When you confront them. Yeah. yeah. I love that you said that. I'm so glad you said that, that, God loves them so much more than mm. that. And it's hard to imagine that because yeah. we love them so mm. much. And yeah. I think that idea of boundaries around myself, it kind of reminds me of just the self-care aspect. Whether we want to admit it or not, because our loved one, and if we're specifically talking about a loved one, is in recovery, that means we are in recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. We have gotten pulled into a sick yeah. way um, of interacting with the addict and the loved mm. one. And so... We need that support. So tell yeah. me about self-care. What does that look like being yeah. in that arena? Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that there. And it's such a good reminder because uh, that that is a conversation I have a lot with people. Is like, hey, I know you might not want to hear this, but since your loved one is in recovery, you're in recovery too. And it's a good reminder that uh, no matter what issue we have going on, no matter what in the language of CR, no matter what unhealthy habit is happening in our life, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It always affects the people that are around us. And it's an unfortunate part of living in a broken world. But the way that we start to pursue health or uh, uh, self-care mm-hmm. and, and personal health in there is admitting that, first and foremost, there's been an impact in my life. And so mm. it, do I have a space where I can freely talk about the pain yeah. that I've experienced for trying to love a loved one that's in pain themselves. And do I have safe people to bring around me that aren't going to try to fix me, but are going to be there to walk alongside me and love. Yeah. And other people that have walked in your shoes, there's nothing more powerful than a a changed life. that has experienced something that we are currently walking through and to look them in the eye and say, this is what's going on. And to even say, Hey, Tell me, you know, we don't, we're not about giving, fixing and (laughs) and advice, but sometimes we need, you know, that's the beauty of accountability and sponsor relationships. Hey, what did you do when this happened? You've walked in this journey. Tell me, tell me what you did. I think one of the things I'd love for you guys to unpack is, is really just this idea of allowing them to feel the weight of the consequences, um, whether we like it or not, I'm, we're thinking about our stories. Um, pain gets our attention, mm-hmm. right? And and that pillow analogy you used kind of reminds me of how often when we put the pillow underneath them and they don't feel the weight of that, that's a that's a game changer for us, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Talk about that. What 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 comes to your heart with that? Yeah, I. Uh... You know, the the first thing that comes to mind is kind of that idea of, hey, this happened again, and I love you so much. I'm so sorry you're in this, but I can't come and rescue you this time. Yeah. Uh, you're, you've either got a day in jail or I can come bail you out. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you in a day, but I'm going to be right there to pick you up whenever you get out. Yeah. Uh, and, and so allowing that pain to actually mm. do the work that maybe God wants it to do yeah. is, is so key and, and, and letting them feel the consequences of their action. Yeah. Julia, why is that important to feel the weight and the pain and the consequences? 
pain is a great teacher. And, uh, <laughs> Wish it wasn't that way. <laughs> yes. Yes. But it, yeah, pain in some ways, pain is such a gift from the Lord because it does it. It, it teaches us so quickly and in, in a moment, I'm never going to do that again. Mm. Uh, I mean, even thinking about how many times we've all been in situations where we've maybe said something stupid or we're in, we're nervous and, and immediately it doesn't go well. Yeah. And in that moment, we just wish that we could have got back in it. And then it is, it's, I wish I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. I'm not going to. Um, and then just thinking about that and, and all these situations of yeah. how quickly we can learn if we're allowed to hit that yeah. rock bottom. Well, and I, I think too about pain. Think about, and I've heard you talk about this a lot, Rodney. Think about if your body never felt pain. Mm. If, if my arm was on fire and I didn't feel any pain or if I broke, broke my leg and I didn't feel any pain, I would never be able to know how to address the wound that is there. Mm. And that would cause so much more damage. Yeah. Uh, and so being able to feel pain is actually a gift that God has given to us. You know, C.S. Lewis says that uh, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world mm. and to be able to see that there's areas that need addressing. Wow. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the root of the deafness, right, of the pain being hidden as we try to find other things to cope and hide the pain. I don't want to feel this. That's how we got get into addictions to begin with. Yeah. It's like this feels too like too much. And I just I need something to take me out of that. And it's it's never a permanent solution. It's not sustainable. It actually makes things worse. And so yeah, I love that that picture. Um yeah, it, when you were talking, Andy, I was thinking of if I break my leg. And I don't feel pain in that. And I continue to run on it. <laughs> That's, there's going to be some permanent damage, yes. not just the bone, but to the skin, the ligaments, all those tendons, everything is going to be damaged because I'm running on a leg that is not functioning the way it should be. Mm, and so yeah. we want to create space to say, oh, that hurts. That's the way God gave us an indicator. Something's off. Yeah. Well, and to, to take that analogy and, uh, and apply it to what's going on in addiction, one of the reasons why I'm in a spot where I'm trying to run to these different protections or defenses or numbing agents is because my heart and my and my my soul isn't functioning as it should. Mm. It's not connected to the source of of our hope and our healing, which is Jesus. Yeah. And then when there's additional pain that results from that, and I don't feel that additional pain, yeah, I can never go and 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 fix the real thing that is on that yeah. that's going on in my heart. Yeah, that's so good. Julia, closing thoughts from you. Oh, wow. So much pressure. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, and we touched a little bit on um, just the fact that we need to um, get the support we need. Um, and that's what's so great about Celebrate Recovery, too, is that it's for everyone. Um, and so I feel like it's so important for us to find those safe groups that we can go to, whether it's Celebrate Recovery or um, is it Al-Anon? Mm -hmm. uh, that's for family members and different stuff like that. Um, but just also remembering we need to take responsibility for our part. Yeah. Um, and we say all the time in celebrate recovery that, you know, it could be 90% someone else's fault. Yeah. 
But taking that 10% and looking at our own lives and really working our own recovery with this and look, mm. working, um, seeing what the Lord wants to teach us through this um, and just going back and, and continuously working our own recovery is such a big part of it as well. And, um, and again, just the aspect of control too. Um, we think when we're trying to enable someone that we have the control, that we can change yeah. them, we can do that. And just realizing that we can't. Yeah. Um, and so letting that go and letting God do it is just so important and will help us in our insanity mm. to, to try to live in that place where we're just wrought with anxiety, um, just yeah. getting healthy. Yeah. I'm reminded, um, you know, Henry Nowen says that Jesus always put the care before the cure mm. and, and I just want to feel compelled to just talk to maybe the person who's on the other side of this, the addict. Uh, and to speak to the family member that's on the other side of it is your family member is not the enemy. Mm. They're just struggling. Yeah. And once we can kind of stop making them the enemy and just look at that, they're a broken person who is in a deep pit. And right now what they need is love. They don't need your judgment. They don't need critical talk, all that. It's like, I'm not in control of this. I'm going to pray for you. When you're ready to get help, I'm here for you. And I'll get you pointed in the right direction. So if you are the addict or you're on the other side of this, I want to speak to you for a second. Just tell you that that Celebrate Recovery is a great place for you. That yeah. you can find healthy ways to face the pain. All of us sitting around this table have needed that Savior mm -hmm. to experience his care and sit in dad's lap and just know what it's like to be loved and cared for as we move toward sobriety, but bigger picture recovery, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a journey, though. It, it takes a lot of trusting the process, trusting Jesus, allowing other people into our pain. And, and so I'm grateful for, for people around us that um, would uh, walk with us in that journey. So Andy... Julia, thank you guys so much for, for being uh, here with us today. Grateful for you guys. Oh, thanks Happy for having us. Yeah. Well, hey, I just want to talk to you, uh, the listeners. Thanks for being with us. And I just want to remind you that no matter what you're facing, you are never alone. And you too can find healing and freedom from your hurts, hangups, and habits. If you're looking for a group, just go to celebraterecovery.com forward slash groups, and you can find a group near you and be a part of this movement along the journey. God bless you. And thanks again so much for joining us. Until next time, thanks for being here.